0: Well, good evening. It's uh, so good to have you with us uh, again tonight. What a powerful time uh, that these times with, uh, with Apostle Mike has been. I know that uh, many of you have been greatly blessed by this and empowered. And the Lord has just done a, um, just a lot of unfolding of truth into your lives. And uh, I'm, I've still yet to get to the key issue that I want to talk about, and we might not even get there tonight. But uh, Apostle Mike, it's so great to have you with us tonight. Why don't you just bring your greetings before we start anything
1: else? Hey, Pastor Brett, just so good to be with you. Uh, really love these times together. Enjoy our connection. And, uh, and uh, welcome to everyone, so uh, so glad to have you come. I know some of you are different countries around the world, different time zone, and uh, welcome. Great to have you join with us and to hear a couple of old fellas talking <laughs> our kingdom stuff. <laughs> well, these things have been built into us over years. Eddie, anyway, welcome. We're so glad to have you with us. Thank you for joining us.
0: Yeah, amazing. Well, I, what I want to do tonight uh, is to start off where we left off last Sunday. And and what I want to do is, uh, is read the passage that you mentioned. And uh, and then I've got a few issues about that, which I then want you to speak to. So let me read the passage. Um, and, and of course, we're furthering our understanding of the kingdom of God. That's this whole issue. And it's from Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3 to 11. And it says this, Seeing that His divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness, through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, so that by then you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Now for this very reason, applying all diligence in your faith supply moral excellence, in your moral excellence knowledge, in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness. And in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless mm, nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our <laughs> Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, that word useless is quite something.
1: I saw that. I saw you spark <laughs> off that. and that's exactly. saw going. <laughs>
0: For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing for you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ will be abundantly supplied to you. So we have this progression, Mike, verse three, granted everything pertaining to life and godliness. So so it's telling us that we have everything that we need to achieve the best outcomes that God has for us. But also there is this concept about the true knowledge Meaning, of course, that if there's true knowledge as a Christian, there can also be false knowledge. And then it goes on with that developmental phrase, which is just so powerful, of character. These various qualities that are meant to be growing in us and increasingly. And then it finalizes itself by saying that that the entrance into the eternal kingdom will be abundantly supplied to you, which means some people can have entrance into the eternal kingdom, but it won't be abundant. And so really what I want to do is I just want to open up um, this whole discussion for you just to talk about these things like increasingly, increasing abundantly, um, that whole developmental phase, the responsibility that we have for our development, um, and all of that. And I know it's a huge topic, and I just want to unleash you to it.
1: <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> With emphasis on the useless, isn't it? <laughs> give me some revelation on what that will be.
0: <laughs> oh, dear. Can you just imagine, Mike, what it would be like if I turned to a Christian and I said, You're useless? And then they, they all get offended, and I say, Well, actually, that's a biblical comment to make. But anyway, we'll just, we'll just forget that. Very offensive. About. Very unkind. <laughs> Very, I
1: don't feel the love in that one, Brent. Yeah. <laughs> that's right, that's what that's like. say. <laughs> uh, just, just talk about it, Mike. Okay, well, let's go. All right then, well, I think uh, it's, it's Peter's second letter. So uh, I want you to, I think in all passages, you want to catch the context of what he's talking about. So there's a, there's a framework that he's talking about that everyone who's listening would understand and he also highlights that. So if we get on to the what you need to do without seeing the why to do it, you're acting premature. So we, we just start off with and have a look there. And uh, you know, as you start on verse three, according to his divine power has given us to all things to that pertain to life and Godliness through the knowledge of him, who has called us to or by or through glory and virtue. Now, uh, then he talks about promises. So what I wanna do now is I wanna just look at the context for what's what's going on in that passage. So if if you look later on in that same passage, he goes down and he, he begins to declare in verse four. So he so he's now giving the framework of what this is all about. In verse sixteen, we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty, for he received from God the Father honor and glory when an excellent voice or such a voice came to him from the excellent glory this is my father, my beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased. And we heard this voice which came from heaven when we we'll are with him on the holy mountain. So now what he's talking about, he's talking about the revelation of the majesty of Christ at his second coming. So the whole uh, teaching that you've read out of the scripture is all about what we must do to be included in or to be a part of what God's plan is for us. Wow. So you'll notice there, the initial thing is the revelation of the majesty of Christ that is coming. And we remember in, in Matthew 16, verse 27, he said, when the father oh, Jesus, he said, I'll come in the glory of the angels and the glory of my father. And he says, and, and he said, I will give a reward, reward every man according to his work. So when he's talking then about the, the coming majesty of the kingdom. He's describing the transfiguration of Jesus. He's describing the coming first resurrection. And he's talking about that's the theme. And the key part of this particular passage is the personal transformation I need to make in my life to ensure I'm a part of that. Wow. So when we look at sonship, sonship we've talked about before involves intimacy with the father, then it involves uh assignments faithfully fulfilling the assignment we're given and then transformation so the parable of the uh the virgins focuses around the need for intimacy and the consequences of failing to have intimacy the parable of the talents and the pounds talks about faithfulness and fulfilling our assignment and this teaching here is really focused on the necessity for us to Embrace God's process of personal transformation. In other words, transformation of our life is the foundation that ensures we enter into these things. Hence, here's the context, the revelation of Christ that is coming. Now, he talks in verse 11, that an abundance entrance into the kingdom may be ministered to you. So what he's talking about then effectively is having an abundant entrance into the kingdom rather than barely scraping in or barely getting in, like Paul wrote when he said "You know, some uh, that our works will be tested and if the works survive, we then have an entrance or we receive reward, but if the works are burnt, then we, we're saved, yet so is by fire. So it's another picture in that particular scripture, 1 Corinthians 3, I've done all this stuff, but the motivation of it was so poor and so self-centered, none of it qualified, and so I'm saved, and I'm a part of God's plan, but I, I'm not in a place of abundant entrance, of uh, coming in via the first resurrection. And I'm, I'm convinced myself that the abundant entrance he's talking here refers to the first resurrection. Right. And and whether we enter in through the first resurrection or we wait until the second resurrection a thousand years later. Absolutely. I so agree with that. Make sense? Oh, absolutely. Okay. All right then. So you notice then, uh, the abundant entrance to the kingdom talked about here, speaks of things that we have to do to qualify for that, as it does in other places. Yes. Right? Uh, and here, notice what he says in verse 10 then, uh, a diligent effort is needed to make our call and election sure. So now he's talked about the, the coming kingdom, entrance into that kingdom, our calling and election or selection sure. So you see, when you put it together, this whole passage which focuses on personal transformation or formation to become Christ-like, has in mind what is needed for us to qualify to enter into that kingdom. So what we're looking at these things, we've got to see that's what God is wanting. We've got to grow. There's a commitment needed on our part to grow. Romans eight twenty nine. God's expressed purpose or destiny or plan for eternity as we be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. That is a process of transformation
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that's why God has given the five-fold ministry gifts to the church. This is not just a passage you take in isolation. God's given the five-fold ministry gifts to the church. Sadly, they don't always do this, but the purpose of it, apart from the equipping of the saints for their work of ministry or their assignment, is the developing or bringing them to maturity to the perfect man, the fullness of Christ. So we know more children tossed around by every other thing so you notice then it's very clearly that we're required to be diligent in growing and two he provides resources for us to grow there are fivefold ministries there are other things that need to happen and then he outlines what's required he says add to your faith Mm. so your faith see so foundational is i need to believe that uh, that that my trust in God is the foundation. I believe he exists. I believe he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Now I need to build on my experience of coming to Christ, right. which is exactly the parallel that Paul used in 1 Corinthians 3 about rewards and losses. Uh, at the foundation's laid now build on the foundation. So he's talking about the things to build on that foundation in this passage. So it's good you've touched this one now. So we must add, that means to fully supply in addition to our first response to receive Christ, now we must add certain things into our life. And there are, there are things that God uses, or we can apply to our life to, 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 to do that. You notice if you go back into the beginning of it, it says, um, uh, according as his divine power, that's the work of the Holy Spirit has given us all things pertaining to life and God through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Now for by him have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises that through these you may become partakers of the divine nature. So there it is. To partake of the divine nature means I need to let my life be shaped to become more Christ-like, more of his nature, more of what he's like appearing. And how does that happen? Number one, the power of the Holy Ghost, according as his divine power. So the Holy Ghost is the one who reveals to us the things freely given. The Holy Ghost is the one who empowers transformation. The Holy Ghost is the one we need. We need encounters with the Holy Ghost. And it says, uh, it says, uh, uh, it says, notice what it says there is, is power. The Holy Spirit has given us power, all the things we need pertaining to life and knowledge. And how does it come? Through the knowledge of Him. Now, that word knowledge is the word epigenosis. It's a word experiential or revelatory knowledge that comes through encounters with God, mm-hmm. time in his word, time with the Holy Ghost. So it's not like I've got to work hard to make my life work or to make myself, force myself to change. The nature of God is implanted in us as a seed. My role is to cultivate it. So I need to engage the Holy Spirit. His presence, his power is the one, you know, it says in Philippians 3, it, God works in you to will and to do. That word works energizes you to actually be willing and then to function according to these things. So it's not like just a to-do list. It's not a to-do list. Yes, it's, it's a growth is. list.
0: Yeah, amazing, amazing. How does I that mean, sound? It, it, oh, look, it's phenomenal. And and I'm taken back as you're talking to a passage in John chapter three. Um, and Jesus said, truly, truly, I say unto you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And then and the next statement, he says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and of the spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. Yes. Now you see what the church has done so often in its teaching has made the two the same thing. But there's yes. a huge difference between seeing a house and entering a house.
1: Absolutely. And there's a
0: huge difference between seeing the kingdom and entering the kingdom. Yes. And yes. you see, the thing is, it's a different experience. Being yes. born again is one thing, but you see being born of the water and the spirit, the water being the washing of the water of the word and the Holy Spirit. In other words, the Holy Spirit brings illumination to the word of God that washes us to bring transformation, which is the same illustration that, that occurs with the tabernacle of Moses. You've got the showbread, the candlestick, yes. you've got intercession. Yeah. The candlestick throws light upon the, man, the manna, which is the word of God, and the, and, and it brings illumination to the word of God. So to enter into the glory, like in Second Peter, it means a transformational process through the revelation of God, which means yeah. a dependence of the Holy Spirit. And you can't Come enter on. the kingdom without Come a relationship on. with the Holy Spirit. You can't Come do it.
1: Come on, you need an altar call now for people to get filled with
0: the Holy Ghost. Oh, I feel (laughs) like an altar call. Well, actually, I've just preached this morning on a message based on your notes about legacy. And of course, Jesus, he left us a legacy. And the legacy was the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit's there to change us and then to empower us to do great things. You see, It's all interconnected, but when you try to wash the whole thing down, to make it more palatable to the taste. You oh. move the whole essence. And I am so- I hear you
1: talking a friendly
0: here. Oh, <laughs> I feel like speaking in tongues right now. <laughs> but it's well, so critical, Mike. I mean, yes. and you see, the thing that you spoke about, and we're going to talk later on about this, not today, but another time from Revelation 12 and so on, and about the two resurrections, and the fact that not every Christian is going to qualify for oh. entrance in yes. to the kingdom. You will see it, but you won't enter it, and hence oh, you have... Then we have the whole thing about darkness, which we're going to talk about. Yeah, yeah, we'll get to that later on today, perhaps. Yeah. You notice
1: what you're saying there. See, verse three, His divine power—that's the Holy Spirit—doing this. Yes. Yes. Has given us. Has already has given us all things pertaining to life and godliness. So you notice there, He's saying that everything we need to live a powerful life and a godly life is available through the Holy Ghost. We need a relationship with the Holy Ghost, need to depend on the Holy Ghost, need to fellowship with the Holy Ghost. That's the only way that transformation takes place.
0: Yeah, you know, in in the New Testament, I think it's three times, it talks about having fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And most Christians hardly even know there's a Holy Spirit. They might speak in tongues tongues a little bit, but actually he talks about fellowship. Well, if I have fellowship with you, Mike, we have time together, we have fun together. You see, fellowship is having time and so on. And that is why it's one of the most abysmal things to not teach Christian believers how to have an abundant relationship with the Holy Spirit because he's the spirit of the truth, spirit of truth. He's our comforter. He's our empowerer. He's the one that brings revelation to the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And the Holy Spirit is the one that then enables transformation.
1: I, I mean, think yeah. that's your next Sunday morning message.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, my people are used to it, but you know, I mean, because I never but like,
1: online up. Huh?
0: Yeah. Well, you see, the problem is this, Mike, um, is that uh, you you can't get away from some basic truths, and and fundamentally, we are called to have an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ, with the power of the Holy Spirit working in us and through
1: us. Yeah, very good. you know he's going back to to this passage here if you look in those first few verses before we talk about the the what you need to do and the why you you notice there um there are at least three things which are clear and one thing is implied now the first thing is uh, talking about agents of growth and transformation so you notice there is divine power so we're talking number one the holy spirit is the source of empowerment for transformation hence we need to constantly engage him Secondly, he said, uh, a a given to us exceeding great and precious promises. So there's the word of God. So we need the word of God. We need to meditate in the word of God, study the word of God. The lack of study of the Bible and knowledge of, of truths of the Bible, like eternal judgments, the resurrection, the coming kingdom, the, set, the return of Christ, the tabernacle, the feast of Israel. These things are just not taught these days, mm. but they all are a body of doctrine. Jesus opened their minds to show the disciples in the scriptures, all things pertaining to him. In other words, what what a, what a session that must have been as he went through the book of Genesis explaining, that's me. Oh, that's me. There I am there. Hey, Exodus, there I am there. There the Passover lamb, there I am. There it is. Oh, the the cloud, the rock. There I am. There, and she's so gone through. You know, every book of the Bible, saying yeah. where he's to be found. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so, uh, so the promise of the word. You notice there that it's it's uh, the third thing is revelation. There has to be revelation, that knowledge of God, and then the final thing is, I believe we must embrace the process of God transforming us. Mm. You got to be willing to participate. So when it says like to add those things in, I believe it it means. I need to be quite intentional about embracing God changing me. You know, you've got a lot of people who just take the position, oh, well, you know, you know God loves me like I am. Yeah, he does. But he didn't want you to stay like you are, because his plan is maturity. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you, you told us <laughs> grow up. <laughs> grow up. Yeah. And, and, of course, without apostolic ministry, churches are greatly disadvantaged, because they are the ones that activate the maturing process in a major way in, in, in the churches. And uh, so that, that's why God, I believe, is reveal, uh, bringing revelation of spiritual fathers and the maturity process. A lot of people, they just want what, they want the Jesus that saves them and blesses them and meets their needs, but not the Jesus who's the king. Mm-hmm. And so, so, or put it another way, there's a big difference between a man under grace and a man under authority. A man under grace is experiencing God's power and enabling to, uh, to, to address the issues of sin and failure and weakness and so on, a man under authority has submitted to Christ as the king, is now made a priority, putting the kingdom first in God's order, God's authority at place in their life. They're living a different kind of life. I mean, I
0: mean, that in itself is just so isn't that something <laughs> so confrontational,
1: isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> well, how can you, how can you have revelation of the revelation of the kingdom is also a revelation of authority and divine order? Of course it is. Of course it is. So you understand people living in the church want to live under grace. So they want the grace, 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 grace. I believe firmly in grace. Yep. But it's to transform us, it's to empower us, it's to activate us. It's not just about God loves me and forgives all my weaknesses. It, that, that's actually abusing grace. Yeah, The grace of God is given to empower us now to become what he called us to become, overcome and mature on the inside. Wow. we well, getting it into course, it here, aren't we?
0: Well, you see, the thing is, it then just opens up um, the whole issue of our relationship with the Holy Spirit, because there has to be some form of transaction where yes, we have a relationship that with the Holy Spirit that activates these processes and changes in our lives. I mean, how is that for you? I mean, I mean, you're you're a man of the Holy Spirit, renowned for it around the world. Um, you have built a relationship with the Holy Spirit. I mean, how have how? What's the keys to activating the working processes of the Holy Spirit to bring the transformation that's required?
1: I mean, I mean what what are practical things? That's a really good question. That one. Wow. <laughs> some, so I think that uh, worship is a crucial part of this. Oh yes. We we must uh, like the atmosphere of heaven where God dwells is filled with worship, oh. filled with a focus on the person of Jesus Christ, you know? So every time you get a glimpse into heaven, uh, the angels are decreeing and declaring and focusing on Jesus, they're exalting Jesus. Uh, to, you know. To, to, and, and so he signed those Isaiah chapter six, holy, 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 you see it in the book of Revelation. So every time he glimpse into heaven, heaven is filled with a sound of celebration and praise, rejoicing and focus on the Lord. Now, if we want to have encounters with God, we have to do our part In creating that atmosphere on the earth. Oh very good. So the first thing that David did when he became established king in Jerusalem was to establish in the city where he was to govern the earth. He he wanted to establish the kingdom of heaven on earth by setting up full-time 24-7 praise and worship to build the prophetic atmosphere where God's spirit was welcome and would move, and governmental decrees could be issued, uh, revelation could be given, wisdom could be given, all of those kind of things. So that's not there for nothing. That's a prophetic picture of the coming millennium when the, the, the city of God descends to the earth, when you have that uh, flow of, of heaven and earth and the glory flowing together, and the revelation flowing of God. The whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God. Well, that happens. It's got to come through through heaven and earth connecting. So we don't have to wait till then. We can bring heaven to earth or make heaven and earth connect by what we do in our time with God. Mm. So that involves worship from the heart. It involves praise, gratitude, thanksgiving. And the Bible gives it, so we don't have to work it out. He tells us what to do. Psalm 95, Psalm 100, you know, it says, make a joyful noise to the Lord. (laughs) Come on, make some noise, have some celebration and let's come alive. You know, enter his gates with things, become grateful and thankful and, 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 and bless him. And of course, praying in tongues, when you pray in the spirit, 1 Corinthians 14:14 14, 14 to 16, it says you bless the Lord, you thank the Lord. You, you, so we come and you've got to do something. You've got to actually participate in this process by faith of God's presence coming into the earth. It's a, it's a, a decided seeking on your part. And so there's a process of my create a sacrificial offering to the Lord. I then begin to feel the flow of his presence and start to yield and surrender, change the kind of music I've got on at that time, because you use music to help build your atmospheres. And that's another question. That's another story of its own brand. You've got to have the right kind of songs to do. (laughs) that. Don't even don't
0: even. I know how to trigger (laughs) you. Every you you you've 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 kicked an accelerator in me. I can tell you, (laughs) but you know, Mike. Let me interrupt you for a moment. See, one of the things that I that I said, um, to my to my businessmen and staff, I want twenty four hours, seven days a week, praise and worship being played in every every part of our offices and venue. Right. I have people who walk into this place and, and the first thing that they will say, even in our offices, there's something different about the atmosphere. Of course. Of course. It's the presence of God. And I tell them who to play, by the way. Because, <laughs> of course. <laughs> of course.
1: <laughs> but That's a whole other message. Well, well, well even, even in a marriage, a romantic atmosphere doesn't just happen. You create it. That's right. So we're responsible for atmosphere building. God's responsible to actually fill the atmosphere and then to engage with us. That's his part. We just got to do our part properly. And I think because there's a sowing and a reaping, because people don't get instant results or they don't get things happening straight away, they get disheartened and discouraged and give up. So they may get excited and hear all this, start doing something, maybe two or three days later they quit on it. But you actually have to persevere. Mm. And then you begin to find... You're now in a flow where the spirit of God, you're engaging with him much more regularly. I find it very helpful to, to, to sit before him quietly, to meditate and to journal, to write thoughts down, to listen to him and let him prophetically speak back to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so all of those things help. I think just to just be in his presence and just worshiping. So all of those things help. And then <clears throat> the transformation process requires you be willing to look at what God is saying about your heart so i present my heart to him every day my affections see we're to love the lord with passion so but our affections can turn to other things yeah so i make a daily presentation of my heart my spirit my soul and my body and each aspect of that to the lord because i found it's an intentional setting apart to be a house of god daily And so with the heart, it's the affections of the heart. So there's a repenting of any things. I started to find drawing my time and becoming attached to them. I let those go and I set my affection. Lord, I set my heart on you. I set my affection on you. Like David said, I set my affection to the house of God. You can set your affection. Uh, Colossians 3 verse 2, set your affection on things which are above. Christ is at the right hand of God. So you have to choose to set your affection towards God and to love him passionately. Mm -hmm. Love the Lord with all your heart and strength, and soul and mind. So that there's an expression you choose to do and God responds to that. I think people are waiting passively for God to turn up or to visit them or do things and they're not doing their part, which is the surrender of affections and setting the affection on the Lord. I picture him, I see him loving me, I see him in his majesty, I set my affection on him, and then I set my will on him, because Jesus prayed, you know, our Father Art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, Your will be done. So today, Lord, I surrender my will to you, I bind my will to your will, I call your kingdom to come in my personal life, to manifest in me and through me. So there's a positioning of yourself in prayer, the seeking of God, you know. And, you know, you see David expresses in Psalm 27, verse 24-7, where he says, uh, One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Behold the beauty of the Lord, to inquire and fellowship with him. So that's one of my favorite verses. I prayed that one every day. Because one thing have I desired. See, I'm saying, I'm setting my affection by saying the scripture. Mm. One thing do I desire of you, Lord. So say the script, one thing I desire, Lord, that will I seek after. Then personalize it. Lord, one thing do I desire of you today that I seek after. I set my affection upon you. I set my heart on your presence. I, I long to encounter you and to fellowship with you. Wow. It, it's got to be, you've got to come to the Lord with words. You can't just turn up and hope something's going to happen. Mm. There's a, there's a pursuit of God. So, yeah, so, of course, when you go back through the scripture here, it, it, it actually gives very clear uh, outline of if you if you don't apply yourself to transformation, then you don't grow. And there's evidence he gives you if you're not growing. Let me go through them and show you a few things here. Notice he said, uh, if these things are in you and about, They will make that you're neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So you can can add these qualities into your life intentionally and diligently, or you can neglect them. Hmm. He said, if if you add them into your life, then he says there's a whole number of promises come to that. You won't be barren. You won't be unfruitful. Uh, and uh, he goes on, I'll go to that in a moment, but but, uh, he, but he said, if you lack them, then that means you will be barren, you will be unfruitful, mm. you'll be blind, you can't see off, and you've got a bad memory, let me <laughs> go through those things, he said, number one, he says, um, he said, if the things are in you and abound, then you won't be barren or unfruitful, that word barren means without labor, or it means uh, will not serve or be productive, it means being spiritually unemployed it means living off the faith and service of others. See, barren. That's the word you called it useless. That's exactly what it means. It means without labor, without applying yourself to work. So it says that if you don't, if we don't give ourselves to growing, we become without effort or work or labor. This, we're actually not providing anything of value into the kingdom. Mm. Isn't that interesting? So clearly God desires that we do serve, we are productive, that we're involved spiritually, we're not living off someone else, we're actually providing for others. And he says unfruitful, that means literally not producing the fruit the tree was supposed to fruit produce. So we're a tree and we're called to produce fruit for the kingdom. But he says, if we lack those qualities, we will be unfruitful. It doesn't mean we're not going to church or doing Christian activities, it means in terms of kingdom, and our design we're lacking fruit lacking the fruit of the spirit lacking active engagement lacking yeah. a positive influence he says that person is blind that word is interesting it means to be to be enveloped with smoke so you can't see things clearly no oh. uh yeah. it's the word it's the word used in 2 corinthians 4 4 where it says satan has blinded the eyes of them that don't believe that words the same word blinded meaning to surround you with smoke so you can't see clearly. You just live in confusion all the time. Wow. It, it means also to puff up with pride or to make you foolish. Yeah. So if we don't, what he, so put it another way, if we don't commit to growing the character qualities of Christ, we then are like someone self-centered, enveloped in smoke, can't really see the wood for the trees. And that's why he says he adds, it's like he's building on this, barren, unfruitful, blind, can't see far off, meaning short sighted, or actually, you're only seeing what's in front of you your immediate needs and problems. You have got no vision of the bigger thing of the kingdom of, of what the whole plan is about about the coming kingdom.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, short sighted. You, you can't see very far. Yeah, and then he says, and you forgot what God did, you got a bad memory. <laughs> now, now I looked into that, <clears throat> forgotten what God has done. <clears throat> And there's a couple of scriptures. Here's one of Deuteronomy 8, 11. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, judgments, and statutes, which I command today. So forgetting the Lord is is equated with not, not doing what he's calling you to do. It's not like when you, we read it as a Westerner, we think, "Oh well, uh, forget the Lord. I just, I, I just forgot some of the things that happened, or whatever." I say, oh, oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, you know, it's not. It's but it's not that in the Hebrew culture. To hear the word of God means you applied it to your life and did it. The Greek culture, it's just information. So what he's saying here, remembering the Lord means I'm actively engaged in applying to do what he says for me to do. Amazing. Because the whole context there, he's saying, he's talking about forgetting the Lord when you start to prosper and you forget that he's the source of everything and say, my hand has done all of this. So in, in 1 John, he says, whoever says in chapter 2, 4, he says, whoever says, I know him, but doesn't keep his commandments is a liar. So now we've got people being useless liars. How about that? <laughs> I know that's it's like offensive language, but the Bible is trying to get it really clear that we are to be productive, not idle and empty and unproductive for the kingdom. And we are to do what God says to do, or we're fooling ourselves. Yeah. It says, says, whoever keeps his word, there the love of God is made perfect. So your journey to transformation requires a commitment to act on what God is revealing to you and keep working on it. Don't forget, let it all go. Powerful stuff, eh? So well, that means I've got to be intentional. I have to yeah. be quite intentional. There's a prize to be won, and I'll win it if I put into practice the things God says here in that list.
0: Hmm. Hmm. I mean, it, it just it just challenges the very core of our understanding of our, our, our walk of faith, to put it that yes. way. I yeah.
1: mean,
0: it, it, it's more than just believing God for a few things but it's actually believing God for the transformational processes.
1: Yes, right, right there, right and, there.
0: And, and, and he said to me, that is, that is um, indicated all through scripture. Um, you know, one of the things, while well, you were talking about earlier on, you know, we were talking about the Old Testament and so on. I don't know, um, but when David set up the tabernacle, and, and of course there was a temple, he also set up the musicians and singers, so there were yep. one of them was called Asaph. We yes. trace Asaph through to his to the other generation to his you know his, his descendants. They were all prophet people. <laughs> yes, and, yes, <laughs> and, and Asaph was a was basically a music prophet. Yes, and, and what the whole indication is that you set up you me Temple of the Holy Spirit a place of worship, but with the prophetic gift that we all have the ability to hear the voice of God through the Spirit of Truth, working in us to bring revelation and prophetic insights that create the necessary change that we need. And it's yeah. interesting, when you trace the descendants of, of, of a, a, um, Asaph, I think it's um, Jehaziel, if I remember, major influencer um, in, the, in the music domain um, <laughs> right. and, and prophetic. And it's it's just incredible to see that. The, see, what you're talking about is not just New Testament, but actually it goes right through the scriptures. Yes. And, it can, and people have missed it because they've turned the gospel into what God can do for me
1: yes. rather than
0: ultimately what I can do for him.
1: Absolutely, you've nailed it.
0: And the thing is,
1: Grace man, not an authority man.
0: What I do for him is very much dependent on the degree in which I allow him to be manifest in me. And the Bible talks about that, I think in Colossians somewhere. Therefore, the, the more of him demands, the more change in me. Yes. And that brings a greater expression of the reality and authenticity Of Jesus Christ within us
1: absolutely (laughs) absolutely I love what you said that he empowers that transformation process Mm -hmm. and that this thing is seen through the whole Bible so you you, you're right so you look in the Old Testament and you see like Joseph now Joseph's there's many people are a type of the millennial kingdom of the people the the sons of God coming forth so you see little glimpses of them in different characters so you see for example Joseph and Joseph of course he comes with wisdom, how to govern the nation. He comes out of prison into a place of promotion next to the the the, the 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 king of the pharaoh. But you see, he had to go through a process to get there. Yeah, a divinely initiated process And nothing. All he had to do was respond right in it. David, we see him come to be the king, but he went through also a divinely initiated process: rejection, injustice, right. uh, betrayal, everything yeah. like that. And when he comes out of it, he's in a sweet place with God because he kept his heart right and responded to the process. Joseph, when he got a bit toey, he had to stay in the next couple of years because he's trying to help his own way out of the process by telling him, don't forget me, you know? <laughs> and, you know,
0: do, do you remember uh, when, he, when Joseph was prophesied over and the prophecy said, and you are a fruitful bough,
1: Yes. Planted by a well of water, branches go over the wall.
0: Wall. And you see here, and what's the whole imagery? You have so submitted to the dealings of God and the processes of God's development that now you have become so fruitful that people can just walk past you and pick the fruit off and receive from you, from him, and get sustenance and life and energy, and it's and he's so fruitful. There's an abundance of that, and actually, that's what God wants for you and I, Mike. He Absolutely. wants us to be so fruitful that our boughs hang over a wall, and people can just pass by the life of Brent Douglas, the life of Mike Con, the life of whoever's watching right now, and they can just pick the fruit and eat it, and they become sustained and life-giving because energize,
1: yeah, and when people and when people get near you. They walk away energized yeah they don't even know what happened but the spiritual atmosphere around them changed yeah. and they become energized with faith and joy yeah. isn't it amazing yeah <laughs> i love yeah. it i love that's brilliant i love that's one of my things i had that prophetic word over me many years ago and uh that uh the archers surely shot at him but his strength remained in him hmm. how about that so that's the process right there been through the bitter waters. The waters of the <laughs> so, so you've got him. He's the fruitful tree, which is also a picture of Psalm 1, planted by the rivers of water. Psalm 1, med, the man who meditates in the war of God, walks not in the path of the ungodly, and so on. And then and then his branches go over the tree, over the wall. So that, in other words, he's not contained in his fruitfulness. And uh, But the archers have surely shot at him and wounded him but his strength remains. So it's saying then, yes, this is the prophetic picture of his fruitfulness and influence, but there is a process you go through. Hmm. And so, so we read like, for example, in that, in that passage, it says in Romans uh, 8, verse 29, that God's eternal purpose is to conform us to the image of Jesus Christ. The verse immediately preceding it, all things work together for good for those who love the Lord and are, and are called according to his purpose. Hmm. So in other words, God initiates that transformation process by setting stuff up and it works for good if we will respond to him in it.
0: Yeah.
1: It's yeah. not like everything works out good. A lot of stuff doesn't work out good at all. It's, it's, it's in our journey with God, he will set things up that will be perhaps unpleasant or difficult or painful, but they will work to bring about the transformation process. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not all about Bible studies. It's about doing life.
0: Well, you know, Mike, one of the things that I often say to my church is this, that when you're facing great strife, trials, tribulations, whatever, the wrong prayer is, God, please deliver me. The right (laughs) prayer is, God, what are you trying to teach me and show me? And if you want to speed up the process, get that answer. Yeah. Because like you and I were taught, if we don't do what... God's trying to achieve in our life. If that doesn't happen, then he'll just say, right, let's take another year going around the mountain. But oh, if you'll come back to the same place. Don't you worry. you steps off, in the sand. Steps in the sand. You'll see your old steps there. You know, and because we used to talk about that a lot. You know, are you yes, just going to go yes. around the mountain again? Or are you going to learn the lesson that you should have learned now? Or are you yes. going to have to wait for another year for you to get to the get to the same place? Because you will get to
1: the same place. Yeah. Oh, you have to learn the same lesson again. Yes. It's a pain to learn the I remember talking to Clark Taylor, who's a great man of faith. Yes. And he was telling me about a situation he was experiencing. He said, oh, he said, I knew that. He said, I just had to learn it again. <laughs> <laughs> it takes a while. It takes some experiences to get transformation in it. Oh, oh my goodness. So you notice in going into that picture, he says then... Uh, he says, notice what he says, uh, be diligent. Now, the word diligence is mentioned twice there. In other words, it's putting the emphasis not on God doing something, but us pursuing something. So, you notice he says, that word diligent means make every effort, give tear and attention. It means to maintain your focus and an ongoing sustained effort over the course of your life. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh. I can see some just being challenged by that right now. But but diligently- Explain it again, Mike. Mike, Mike, Uh, that is so important. Just repeat what you've just said. Okay. Uh, The word diligent means to make every effort or give care and attention to something. It means to maintain your focus and an ongoing sustained effort over the course of your life. It's the difference between dreaming and realizing a dream. Explain that well people dream you know they have these great things they want to do but actually every dream comes about through diligent work hmm. so you can have revelation of the coming kingdom you can have all the knowledge of it but if you're not diligent in the process of pursuing god and letting him transform you then you won't actually end up with anything you know it says the soul of the slothful man desires but has nothing well oh. because he won't work that's right so it doesn't say he doesn't desire. He got all these dreams and things he wants. He's just not working. And <laughs> Hebrews six twelve, uh, you know, don't be slothful, but be followers of them who through faith and endurance inherit the promises. So, so the warning is against laziness. So when he says diligence twice, uh, he says, notice what he says. He said, give. He says it's mentioned twice. Now the way it's mentioned is, is really. It's very important. Notice what he says in verse five, giving all diligence, add or build on your faith these following qualities. And then straight after that, verse 10, he says, be diligent to make your calling and election sure. So he connects making your calling and election sure or steadfast or certain. He, He equates that with adding diligently these qualities into your life. Wow. So, so in other words, if I was to say, well, Brent, you need to make your calling an election, sure, say, yeah, yeah, you're right. But what's that going to look like? What are you going to do? So in this passage, there is no doubt what he wants you to do, what he wants you to be diligent about. So he talks about the calling and election, abundant interest of the kingdom, what it looks like when Jesus came. Now, here's what it looks like for you, what you got to do. So he says, be diligent, see? In Proverbs twenty four twelve, the head of the diligent will rule. So again, it's this whole aspect of, of coming into authority, coming, we've got to be diligent now. If you're not diligent now, how will you be qualify yourself to share in the administration of Christ's kingdom? How how's that gonna work? I mean, you n- listen, naturally you'll never hire a lazy man. That's right. Well, why would God hire a lazy man to help him administrate the, 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 the kingdom in the coming age? Yeah. So we, we forget that every the things that are part of our daily life, we should do them as to the Lord. You know, Colossians 3, 23, 24, whatever you do, servants, whatever you do, do heartily as if to the Lord, not with eye service to please man, but from the heart to the Lord, knowing that from the Lord you received the reward of inheritance. So this is a daily application to every arena of my life. And then he goes on to talk about what you need to be adding in. So uh, we, let's have a look at those things he says to add in, because he said the first thing you gotta do is be diligent about this, mm-hmm. you gotta persevere. Most yeah. people get excited about the message, man, I need to do that, then they forget they're into something else tomorrow. Yeah. So so we need to be quite careful about that. So these things, add to your, your faith virtue, Virtue literally means moral excellence or, or purity. It means to be to have strength or valor. That's what it has the meaning of. But but essentially, it's do the right thing. Practice doing the right thing, even if it doesn't feel good or feel convenient. Do the right thing. Do what God requires you to do. He says, add to your virtue knowledge, and that's understanding gained through learning. Study the Word of God. Get up and, and Proverbs two. You want to have wisdom? Cry unto the Lord. Lift your voice to the Lord. It's the Lord out of his mouth gives wisdom and understanding and knowledge. So cry out to God. Pursue. In other words, become a student of the Bible so you get to know God and his character and his purpose and his plans. And out of that, you grow. You gain understanding. You can now look at what things are and you can interpret them differently. Like for example, when I do counselling for people in uh, like leadership, you know, pastors and all of that. Now, you know what? These are the things I tell them. I said, "Now, I'm not here to fix you." I said, "This is your life, your journey. You've got there as a result of your choices and decisions and things that have happened on the way. Your future will be different if you make different choices and different decisions." I said, "I'm not here to fix you up." Yeah, I'm here to work with the Holy Spirit and help you understand the connection between the problems you've got and the hidden spiritual roots that are empowering them. Yes, of course, yeah, yeah. See, that's understanding. And I love it, that moment when suddenly the eyes light up and this big problem people can't can't understand, cannot deal with, suddenly they realize, oh my God, it's not my spouse, it's me. I'm just repeating the very, very place I came from the whole cycle of what I grew up in is yep. now being unloaded and repeated right in front of me now. Wow. So see, understanding, you got to understand when you, when you look at Solomon, when God came to him and said, well, whatever you want, I'll give it to you. Well, you know, we'd, we'd said, well, man, wait a minute. Hey, this is a good deal. He, he said, God, give me an understanding heart, a hearing heart to understand and discern to do justice. And God was very pleased with what he asked. So, so you've got to apply yourself to the word of God to learn the truths of God, to so have understanding. With understanding comes maturity. Thirdly, it says temperance, mean you straight out, control yourself. Stop nutting off, stop getting involved with, stop letting anger flow over, get a deal with it. If you can't rule your own spirit, you're, you're like a man sitting with broken down walls. Yeah. How yeah. can you govern in the kingdom if you can't even handle someone cutting you off in the traffic? What the heck is that about? yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, uh, dealing with the issues of lust, dealing with the issues of of your feelings. It's this self-control. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It's a fruit that grows in your life through yielding your, your stresses and your your anger and your issues to the Holy Spirit. Yep. It's the exchange, divine exchange. So it's not like I've got to work to put on the self-control. It's I exchange my things I'm struggling with with the Holy Spirit's empowerment. That's where the formation is taken place. He talks about patience. That, that word there means uh, it means to endure, to steadfast endurance with a good attitude, not just hanging in there and being negative and bitter and resentful. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, in other words, it means stay the course. Don't quit. Don't yep. be a quitter. Yep. You know, you know you've, you've watched my journey all these years, and I, I've been knocked down many, many a time, but I just won't quit. Just get back up again, get back in the ring and have another swing. Yeah, that's right. And you've done the same. You have every reason in the course of your life to give up, to quit, to walk away. But no, because we've got a hope that is an anchor to the soul. It's something that's eternal. So no matter what anyone's doing, I'm still not letting go of this. I've built my life around yeah. this coming kingdom and I've built my life around eternal reward. I'm not quitting now because someone offended me or upset me or did that's some right. wicked thing to me, you know? That's right, yeah. Wow. Well, can Can you see? So these things, are, then it talks godliness, which really means... Uh, A deep reverence and respect of God, the fear of the Lord, beginning of wisdom. So godly fear. I I find often Catholics have got a fair bit of godly fear on them. They've kind of grown up with a respect and a reverence. But many Pentecostals have got no respect for God. They turn up late to church. What's that about? Oh. See, now I know I'm getting you off. I know where to wind you up a bit, but it gets me going too. See. If you were to think that going to a meeting is an appointment with God, with an appointment with the Great King, the King of all the universe, I'm coming to gather with His family to make an to have an appointment to honour Him and worship Him. So I come prepared in my heart, on time, ready to go as the clock ticks. You understand? That's called respect for God. Yeah. The, the fear of the lord is to depart from evil so a lot of the things i wouldn't do them because man i'm a bit scared of god god's watching everything i do he's going to call me to account i, I mean just i can't that's that's too scary but you don't a lot of people they don't have the fear of the lord it's not taught in the church hmm. the fear of the lord is a deep reverence and respect that he operates according to principle he's a god of justice and that he will call every man to account and I think that's a sobering, sobering thought. So people get caught up today with all the injustice of this, the injustice of that and so on. Listen, injustice happens. We live in a world full of injustice, being like that all the history. they are gonna continue being like that. The issue is not so much about the injustice, it's what you, what, what you will do in the middle of it. Whether the, whether the injustice will defile you and cause you to become a further problem, or whether through injustice, you'll overcome and become a solution and bring God's wisdom into it yeah, yeah. then he gives of course the last the last two there um, brotherly kindness which is a sort of a biblical term Philadelphia but basically it just means practice being kind to people <laughs> well, <laughs> you know one of I was sharing with a, a young guy about his marriage I said you know who's asking about macho men, he said, is that sort of a God thing, you know, men being strong? Or I said, no, I said, the Bible tells us in Proverbs. The thing that's to be desired in a man is loving kindness. Uh, uh, so I said, you've been watching too much Clint Eastwood or Arnold Schwarzenegger, <laughs> you know. That's not, that's not a godly man. Uh, that stirs up anger and revenge. Most of these guys, if you look at those movies, it's all about anger and injustice and revenge. I don't mind watching the movie, but it's not going to build kindness. The pra- kindness you have to practice it. Yes, yes. It's a gift to people to show a gentleness, to show a thoughtfulness, to show consideration, to do little acts that bring unusual blessing to their life.
0: And that includes your husband or your wife.
1: <laughs> uh, Pat, are you listening there? <laughs> Hmm. Brent's got some changes to make. (laughs) 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 And then, of course, the last one, love, which is a bit of a, it's a word that doesn't mean too much to us today. But if we were to say sacrificial service, or if I put it like this, sacrificial kindness and serving with no agenda. Hmm. So that's something you practice. You practice serving that costs you something or kindness that costs you something and you've got no agenda. I'm not after anything. I'm not seeking a return. So if you don't respond, okay, that's your problem, not mine. I'm kind because that's who I've chosen to be. My father is kind and he's considerate to the adjust and the unjust. I've I've chosen to identify with him and live that identity out by being kind to you, knowing that God says, I'll reward you for that. Yeah, amazing. So you see, a lot of people get screwed up because of this. They serve, but they hope for something. It's not like they're giving a gift of service. They're giving a trade of their service. See, so they're giving their service, but what they're looking for is for a return. Now, maybe it's just the man of God smiling at them saying, well done, Pat, you on the head thing. It can be as little as that. But when gratitude doesn't come, when they're overlooked, and someone else gets acknowledged, then it shows up. Now they get resentful about, well, oh, now they're going to stop serving. So it tells you then that there was something impure in the motives. Yeah, very corrupt. And, and of course, what happens is then people become offended and resentful, and they, they walk away from church, walk away from the calling and growth of God for their lives. They are walk away from their destiny over something like, stubborn. nobody thanked me. You, you know, it's, and this is immaturity in its maxim. So we're, we're called to follow Jesus who, who loved and gave himself a sweet smelling savior to God. So I found it very simple. I All my service I give with no expectation of anything back. If I get anything back, that's wonderful. But if I don't, it's not my problem, that's their problem. Yeah, yeah. So I preserve then my heart that no matter what people do, that's their issue. So my service is free. If they want honor, then that means they can receive more. If they don't want to honor or they dishonor, then that shuts down the serving continuing. Yeah, exactly. That's a biblical principle. Yeah, And yeah. I found many, many pastors have walked through transitions or leaders walk through transitions and because they were dishonored afterwards, they never get over that transition because they were hoping that in light of all my sacrifice and all that I've done for you, you should do that. And that's where the enemy gets in and and then wrecks them with bitterness and resentment. And then they fail in their next assignment because they never exited well. So I teach people this and i practice this. When your assignment is finished, then make an altar to the Lord. In other words, come before him and everything you've done, surrender it to him as your act of serving him and free all people from any expectation they'd reward or honour you in any kind of way. Yeah. You, you know preserve, I mean, you preserve your honour yep. and you now put it into God's hands to bring the reward to you. Yep. Yep. I mean Mike, our
0: hour is up. But go I it's mean, gone quick. We only got through one scripture. <laughs> well we just got through one question. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't even really got really got through that. But you know, I I um, so often have uh, have reflected, and sometimes to other other pastors. Actually, there's look what I'm doing. There's no expectancy for anything for you to respond. I mean, I mean, it's all about die to yourself, serve yes. others, yes. And whatever God chooses to do, that's up to Him. But yes. it, but but if you live your life. With an expectancy of receiving something back for your service, you will be sorely disappointed, and <laughs> you will end up being in bitterness. Absolutely. Absolutely, because the whole the whole thing is people fail you. Absolutely, that that happens, and and see a lot of people just just can't can't get over that, and, well, and you know, and and sometimes people are just amazed because they say, but but. You know, there's there's all these ex, there's all these unwritten expectations, mm. and I say no expectations from me. If you can't give me a love offering, that's fine. If you can't yeah. pay for my accommodation, well, I'll pay for it myself. Yeah. I, I, look, there's no expectation because it's all about except it rain of wheat fall to the ground and die, it shall yep. produce fruit.
1: Absolutely, well spoken, well put, Mike, well this,
0: is, this has been absolutely fabulous, and we haven't even got onto question two. Um, but do we
1: ever? Maybe you should just start <laughs> with my... <laughs> nice oh. question, and then we free flow for a bit.
0: <laughs> but but you know, I think the teaching that you've given tonight has just been absolutely outstanding, and and I think just very very revealing and revelatory. Um, uh, and you know, one of the things I want to do at some stage, but it'll be probably um, in a few weeks' time. I do want to talk about the qualifications of entering the first resurrection versus. Right. Missing it and the right. qualifications for getting into the second resurrection, and and you know these are very very fundamental truths yeah. that are so mistaught because we're trying to do the thing of equalizing everybody.
1: Yeah, but it's not like that in the kingdom. No, well God is just. You see, it's basically an unbalanced Christ. They've it's only given a partial Christ. It's given he saves, but he's not. But they don't bring about kingdom. And he's, he's a loving, but there's also justice. Yeah. So so whenever you get one at the expense of the other, you have a distortion that produces in the end bad fruit. Absolutely. absolutely. So it's truths held in balance. Yep.
0: Well, Mike, look, let's bring it to a close. Why don't you just uh, just pray for us very quickly yeah. and uh, and then we'll say goodbye. But just yes, pray for us, Mike.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you, Brent, for the opportunity to be here. I appreciate it. And, and my blessing on everyone that goes, that's been watching. Father, right now in Jesus' name, I pray that the words we've spoken tonight that are revelatory, that come out of the heart of our Father, that come out of your heart concerning preparing ourselves submitting to the transformation process, I ask, Lord, that those words would go forth and never return, but produce great fruit in lives. I ask right now that you would speak to people wherever they're sitting watching yes. about the areas they need to make changes in their life. Mm-hmm. To be diligent, to add those different qualities to their faith. Perhaps some who are, who are struggling because they're under such pressure and they're wanting to quit. Father, I ask you to give them grace to endure, to be men of faith and who have patience and pull the promises out of heaven, not just because they believed, because they would not quit when the pressure was almost overwhelming. Father, I pray for great grace to overcome. I pray for great grace to grow. I pray that every hindrance to those things will go. Father, where people are struggling because it had uh, an expectation in their heart of being uh, honored and, 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 and people have failed to honor them. In fact, have actually taken them for granted and they've become wounded. Father, I ask that your healing presence would come on them right now as they release all the expectation and forgive and bless those people. Father, just touch them right now with your spirit. Let your peace come. And Father, I pray many others will come and to gather this online community to look at the issues of the kingdom and our great and glorious hope that we have. Yeah. Father, thank you for Brent. I pray blessing upon him and in all his ministry in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
0: Well, thank you, Mike. I just wanna to say to those who have who has listened to tonight, you gotta to understand that we're building line upon line, precept upon precept. And if, if some of these things have been a shock to you, you need to understand that this is a process of teaching and understanding that over the last previous four weeks we have been building to get to this yes. and it's going to continue building upon what has gone before so i encourage you to look at the other broadcasts that i've done with pastor mike, pastor mike what a fantastic night it's just it's just wow teaching and really appreciate you. giving to us and the body of christ around the world such great time god bless everybody have a god great bless. week and we'll see you next week thank you god bless